1: Welcome back to Rule The Roost Podcast. I'm your host, De Trunk, and uh, I'm joined this week. It's, it's it's a return to the old school once again with my main man. That's that's how you address young people now, isn't it, Raj? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my homie. <laughs> Am I doing this right?
2: Yeah, it sounds fine to me, mate. I don't see anyone having a problem with this.
1: Safe. Um, yeah, how you doing, Raj? Uh,
2: I'm not too bad. I've had a reasonably good productive day so just happy to sit down and do this now
1: you're getting back into the swinger thing so post holiday
2: yeah, yeah it's taken a couple of weeks like but um just sort of slowly getting back up to speed and that and um i've got better at setting myself time and that because you know you when you work for your son and you work from home you can sort of It all just sort of muddles into one, but if you set yourself proper times and that, and actually organise yourself a bit and and have a bit of um, diligence about what you're doing, then you're better off for it. So, you know, slowly learning as I go along.
1: I'll just watch the news and then I'll just have yeah I'll just have a breakfast and then uh, maybe I'll just have a quick go on a PlayStation and then oh my breakfast is digested. I'll just go to the gym quick and then is that you know that can kind of. This is my sort of experience of working from home. Like generally without that gym bit. I just kind of was putting that in. So.
2: <laughs> no, it's um it's mainly just sort of um you spend a lot of time just looking at the walls and stuff like that. And like nothing exciting, just sort of like Because um, 'cause you've got 'cause you're your own boss, you you've got an awful lot of time where you can just sort of Um, procrastinate and get lost in your own thoughts and things like that. And especially when you don't have a proper job and you're sort of a a wishy-washy creative, you just sort of spend a lot of your time making notes and, and, you know, busying yourself with ideas for things when you've got other work you should be doing.
1: Drawing drawing willies and jotters and stuff like
2: that. Oh, yeah, the amount of paper I've wasted drawing cocks and that, it's like that scene out of Superbad. (laughs) The dick dick devil. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely, that's one of the best ending of film... um, sort of montage ever yeah, that's fantastic and they go through it yeah i haven't watched that film in years i remember when i sort of it came out when i was sort of maybe tail end of high school or something like that and yeah imagine at that age uh, although my, my humor's not sort of progressed that far from from then um it's uh that that tickled me back then
1: oh, a lot, there's a lot of layers to it though i think maybe i'm just trying to uh try make myself <laughs> I know smarter, I think it's but it's, it's
2: slightly it's more intelligent than it is on the on like the base level. But there, it is is it infinitely quotable?
1: I was uh, the second you said that I was suddenly like, what could I quote from it aside from dick devil? I like it when the uh when they they run into the old like the the vagrant on the bus again. Yeah. And he calls McLovin McMuffin. That's always that's always tickled me for some reason. But
2: my, my favourite McLovin moment is when they're um talking about his name. They see his fake ID for the first time. And he says that he's <laughs> at first he was gonna get Mohammed because yeah. it's the most common name in the world. <laughs> um which just you know, that's funny because it's sort of it's true, I guess. I think uh
1: Rogan's Rogan's good in that film actually. He is uh I like him in a lot of stuff. Really, he gets quite a lot of stick nowadays, Seth Rogen. But I think he's, I think he's pretty decent still. Yeah.
2: Bill Hader as well, isn't it? The other police officer.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. I always forget what his name is. I'm always like that bloke, you know, <laughs> yeah. that Saturday Night Live bloke,
2: the guy from that thing.
1: Yeah. Um. Anyway, we probably should save this part to the to the second half. Yeah, well, we've done it backwards. Um, yeah, we have. No, uh, no, Seb, stuff Speaking of doing it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what Seb's doing right now.
2: Um, Don't say that he's taking a child out. Oh God, he is. As well,
1: yeah. Let's let's just keep up the mystique for the audience that he's out, whining and dining the the ladies of Bath. You know, no, he's
2: he's got some. He's taking he's doing a, an honourable family duty in taking a child to the rugby union. I think they must have done something wrong and have got a punishment that they've got to serve by going to watch Bath, um, playing you know a terrible sport but they'll learn never to do whatever they did again if there are uh, any gentlemen from bath that actually
1: listen to this podcast um and you know i'm not i'm not gonna ram house type house type household stereotypes uh, onto onto this podcast. But, you know, if you do go to work and you do have a female partner that stays at home, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that women's place is in the home at all. But still, if you do operate under that kind of, you know, premise, just check the cupboards. to see, you know, if you come back from work early one day, you know, because remember, Seb, Seb works from home, you know, so...
2: If there's some like half-eaten Deliveroo on the side,
1: <laughs> a Domino's pizza or yeah. one of those little gingerbread Cafe Nero gingerbread yeah. man that he likes, yeah. that's all you need to do. Look for the wrappers, and you know there's been a there's been a there's been a Stafford blower in your house. So a
2: half-finished packet of um, nicotine lozenges.
1: <laughs> there's a wrapper from one of those aubergine-flavored Durex. <laughs> In the bin. In the bin.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Sorry, Seb. Yeah. He hates it when we do this.
1: He does a bit, doesn't he? Mm
2: -hmm. Is that the Scarlet (laughs) Pimpernel? So what?
1: what The Lily White Pimpernel? Maybe we can call him. Yeah. Let's get make him a bit more Tottenham like. Mm -hmm. Um. Right. Let's stop talking about Seb's philandering. Anyway. Um. (laughs) Sunderland. Sunderland, 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 what, what are your, it's gone, off the bat, Raj Baines, what are your
2: hot takes? Um, It was so frustrating to watch, because I genuinely think on another day, we could have beaten that Wigan <laughs> 9-1 record. Because it, um, it was like, just watching someone pump, if that were a boxing match, they, they, they would have thrown a towel in. Because um, they, they were awful, Sunderland, I mean, they had a couple of big chances, probably more clear-cut chances than we had, perhaps um to start off with that um the one that uh carl walker saved off the line especially but even then they had uh, jermaine defoe shot that almost crept under hugo larry so they had the odd little you know creep through but it was largely just us pummeling them and not finding a way through until we tapped in so it was performance wise it was much better than monaco because we sort of we didn't let up but there is a a slightly concerning thing happening where we're not capitalising on as much pressure as we have, which we need to, which is where sort of a lot of our our good moments came from last season. I'm well aware that this is only sort of a week on from when we scored four against Stoke away. So there's, there's only so much you can um, you can criticise them because they have shown their capability to do it. That's perhaps why it's all the more uh, frustrating when it does happen because you know they are able to. um but other than that, I mean, the main thing is that we, we won the game and didn't sort of get caught and still got the best defence in the league and all that sort of business. So it could have been much worse than it was. Had we drawn that game or, God forbid, lost it, then there might have been some serious questions to ask. But uh, the fact that we just about snuck through um, when, you know, we've got a team there that had no intention but to sort of sit and frustrate was, uh, was you know, the, the least we could have expected and uh, we just about got it we saw i uh, saw a couple of people say that you know
1: we weren't missing eriksen in that game um that you know we kind of proved that we could play without him and it it was a very dominant performance and one i would expect given that we had you know dembele wanyama and ali all playing on the same pitch you know the engine and all three of those lads is pretty immense um but I, I i would almost say that the one thing we did have missing from that game was eriksen I it felt like we dominated quite a lot outside the box in their half for large spells, and it just seemed like every now, well, for a lot of the time, we kind of missed that crucial final ball. Um, but we didn't. We didn't seem to. I don't know. It seems to be that common problem. Like we noticed against Monaco as well that we can press high up the pitch and we can look fairly comfortable. Without though actually seemingly troubling the other side too much i know the stats would say that we had a lot of shots so on and so forth but i I do still find it quite hard to recall the amount of like really clear-cut opportunities that we carved out um i mean do you think this is something we struggle to do when we don't have ericsson or less less so but still lamella on the pitch who seems to be another one of our big kind of like probing creative outlets as it were
2: um I think there is a there is obviously a correlation between how creative and how good the creation is um, with and without Ericsson. I mean, we've said before on here how sort of how easy it is to despair at the comments that are, are aimed at Ericsson from time to time, especially how well he played at Stoke and showed that he could do it after a few admittedly off weeks. Um, I do think there is some truth to the fact that we have depth away from him, though. I mean... Um, you can't really comment on son on this podcast now without it sounding like <laughs> a loaded comment but we we made a rule last week um as you'll be aware jack that we we don't mention the sort of the 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 big son elephant in the room not to Make any aspersions about you. Um, I was going to say, that's my... yeah. yeah. Um, until we play Sunderland again on the 31st of January. So, um, just so in case anyone missed that, that's the rule now. And that's when we'll have the big debate with Seb again about sort of his comments and whether or not he has moved on from them or not. Um, but with Sonny, he sort of showed that perhaps with with the play going through someone else rather than sort of having to be on concentrated on Christian Eriksen. they gave him a little bit of extra freedom perhaps and um, he seems to be going into himself. There was sort of talk that um, he didn't go on an international break with South Korea to stay over the last international break at Spurs and sort of stake his claim for a first-team spot after there were rumours that um, he could have gone in the, the summer window which sort of, uh, the questions over the character that they are, I think is, if that's true, then his commitment can't really be called into question too much. Because if he if he was the one that shirked to responsibility and was looking for an easy way out, then he could have either left the club and forced through a move back to Germany where he, he may well have been more confident. Or he could have just gone for a week and, and gone to be a star in that South Korean team and, and had no really a lot less pressure on him because he'd, he'd have probably been playing a, a terrible side in in, in their federation. Um, so the fact that he stayed and sort of showed that level of commitment is, I think, showing on field and the fact that uh, Pochettino's now far more willing to select him and has, after this performance against Sunderland, has come out and, and, and sort of um, praised him in a way that he hadn't done previously um, shows that there may be a a growth in that relationship. The the key now is consistency. Obviously, he has to... This can't be, as we said previously, just a a one-off or just a, you know, every now and then he has this fantastic game and then he's he's back to sort of being patchy, which is is not what we want. But it, the thing that impressed me more than just his sort of... The fact that his corners were excellent and he was, you know, beating players and was looked at a genuine threat. I mean, there'd have been no sort of... Um, injustice had he scored or set one up because he was clearly the best player on the park on that day. Um but it was the fact that he was he was a lot more willing and a lot more visible um in doing so of, of sort of pressuring in the final third and tracking back, which is I think what'll win him the brownie points with Pochettino more than anything he does going forward. The fact that he managed to to, to sort of marry both aspects of the game together shows that maybe the penny's dropping with him. And as we've seen with Lamella, it, it takes different people different amount of time to to get their head around that style of football. And, and maybe fingers crossed, this is this is him sort of coming to terms with what's expected of him.
1: I think uh, uh, someone I was talking to earlier made a very good point about coming to Tottenham. Um, it was in we'll we'll talk about. It. Vincent Janssen in particular uh, a bit more later on because we have got a couple of questions about him. Um, but I was, I was talking to my my pal about Janssen um, and about how you know there's some fears about how he's struggling to adapt maybe to the league and so on and so forth. But if you allow, if you kind of take it that step further, that now it seems to be if you, if you consider the type of regime that Pochettino is running at Spurs, the primary concern really now. Is not so much about adapting to this idea of you know adapting to a league, the way football is played here, so on and so forth, because it's it's kind of like a it's an outdated notion that you know English football is played X way, Spanish football is played you know so on and so forth, and there are obviously some characteristics and similarities between teams that play in you know different leagues and different areas, but more to the point is that. the primary concern now when you're coming into a team like Spurs, when you're going probably to a team like City, uh, to Liverpool, for example, now with these kind of progressive. Uh, hands on. Well, yeah, even Huddersfield, mate. Hands on. Progressive coaches is more about adapting to them, adapting to what they want you to do, as opposed to this notion of oh, there's some big lads in the Premier League that are going to overpower you, so on and so forth. I can imagine that. Although that's probably part of Pochettino's training, I can imagine that's very much secondary. It's it, it's all about. Playing the game they want to play, isn't it? It's about having having a match shaped in their own vision, and of course, there is always going to be variables as, variables as a result of who you are playing against. But ultimately, as long as you grasp what Pochettino uh, wants you to do, then you should, you know, be able to work within those parameters, and whatever, hopefully, win. Um. So, and I think it's something we saw with with Lamella. I mean, to to an extent. Um. I think he maybe struggled to adapt to perhaps lifestyle changes, so on and so forth. But if you if you actually look at as we've said before, where he was when he came in, um, and what Pochettino has made him now, it is very much a player that you know it, 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 it who has. Who has gone through this transformation as a result of what the coach has gotten, you know, managed to work for him, and the same with Son, you know, if you if you look at any tr- any fears that you know you may have over Son not being able to play as well in the Premier League as he can do in the in the Bundesliga, I think it's it's kind of redundant in the fact that you know if if Pochettino can find a place for him and Pochettino feels that he is suited to the system he wants to implement, then that's that's the important point is what I'm trying to, you know, say. And I think it's the same with Janssen. I think like Jansen Yeah, there's
2: been a there's been a bit of a weird Janssen backlash I've been noticing, which is it's just bizarre very though, odd. isn't it really? It's I mean there's there's I don't think it's something you can I mean It's been compared to Soldado which Off of a couple
1: of substitute appearances. I don't
2: know? I don't see a comparison to make though because Soldado was bought in a sort of a a ready-made fit who was, you know, in his prime theoretically. I think he was, what, 28, 29 when we bought him. Um, and he'd scored all those goals in Spain and was in the Spanish national team. And so there was obviously a lot more pressure and and understandably a lot more expectation to do with him. But Vincent Janssen sort of, he's, he's early 20s. He's come from a top 10 team in... Um, in the area division, which isn't the greatest league in the world, and we've seen how sort of patchy that can be. But it's not as if we've expected him to hit the ground running. He's he's, he's twenty two years old, he's younger than me. Um so the fact that it might take him a little bit of time to sort of hit the ground is is understandable. And I think the the things that he has been doing um is is sort of shows that he will be more able. Um because it's not as if he's shirking the work or anything like that. He's just not had a clear-cut chances yet. Um,
1: I, I also feel that, like, yeah, to the point I was just making there is that, you know, a lot's been made about the fact that, you know, he's quite big and so on and so forth. I expect to see him over the course of the season and probably over summer to slim down quite a bit and to probably, you know, like we saw with, like, Wimmer, like we saw with even Chadley, you know, he
2: he. Well, but Wimmer's on one at the minute. Did you hear um, what um, what... Uh, Pochettino had to say about Wimmer. He's fallen behind Carter Vickers, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, but it seemed quite harsh because he said he came back injured after the Euro. so Cameron Carter Vickers got his minutes in pre-season and sort of take his, took on his place. And there were rumours that Wimmer was being offered around as well, even though he signed a new contract in the summer. So yeah, yeah. Just, I think we might have to get used to this almost more ruthless approach to players that Pochettino has. I mean, I don't want to accuse him of being sort of the way in which Chelsea sort of farm through players and, and all that sort of a business, but he will obviously have a few favourites in a core that he he appears not to want to deviate from too much. And then anyone else who's around the the outskirts of that, he'll either put in a kid or he'll he'll happily let anyone go that, you know, isn't meeting his standards, which is is admirable in some senses, but the fact that we've got such a small squad is is a bit of a risk. Maybe it, you know, time will tell whether or not he's cutting off his nose to spite his face. But we'll um, we'll soon find out, I think. But it's it's an interesting way of going about it because we've been a club over the past few years that have have harboured talents um, for perhaps longer than we should have done. Um, so this new ruthlessness in approach to getting rid of them is uh, is certainly something new.
1: It just seems to be a, like a fierce pragmatism doesn't it really yeah um so but i mean all in all it's yeah we'd have been pretty disappointed losing to sunderland and not oh, yeah. well not even winnings against sunderland uh it would have been a bit of a travesty because they are
2: appalling really aren't they at the moment he, yeah well at the moment i mean you you heard um gareth when we spoke to him last it's
3: time never though. happened never although whenever you know
1: whenever we are on their Radio show, he always seems to be quite chirpy, but maybe
2: it's... it's because when we're players. on, he gets to speak about Tottenham, maybe you just sort of like, there's some voyeurism in getting to speak about a different club, but whenever you have to get him to speak about Sunderland at any length, you can obviously tell the the infrastructural problems there and the fact that they, they run far deeper than just getting a new manager every six months. It's it's sort of a, a broken club. Um, so to not take advantage of that, as, as mean as it sounds, as, um, would have been... Uh, wouldn't have been the cleverest thing in the world. So we get him again in January, and he said that they don't really start playing until March. So we, we should expect to do the double over Sunderland if we we've got any intention of finishing in the in the top four or or you know even higher.
1: I think. Well, I don't
2: know. I'm I'm I'm
1: optimistic. You know that. You know. I was, I was just, I, hung my colours to the mast at the start of the start of the season on that is even hanging your colours to the mast is that even a
2: saying have I just made something I think way? it's nailing your colours to the mast isn't it
1: well I guess hanging's a bit it's, it sounds a bit more on the fence it's a bit Freudian, that isn't it I'm not I'm not that convinced in my ideas I'm going to nail them but I'll hang mm. them up you know I'll,
2: yeah, I'll use a thumbtack so that I can tack it back out if I need to <laughs>
1: blue tack yeah um but yeah right so we have Middlesbrough coming up um we were we were gonna have a guest but they didn't bother to reply to us so unfortunately you're just gonna have to deal with me and Raj getting through uh talking about Middlesbrough I mean I I don't have too many thoughts on Middlesbrough my one of my uncles is from Middlesbrough I can tell you that um I remember I remember them for Berbatov's goal when Berbatov wanted to leave Spurs and he was like, you know, not really playing. Joel kept leaving him out. Um, and he scored that. He scored a, a decent volley against him, though. That's the sort of last game I the remember. The one where
2: Hossam Ghali chipped it in from the right for him?
1: Yeah, and he sort of like did that volley where he kind of fell down as he was doing it.
2: Yeah, that was, the, that was the one from distance. He scored another volley against him inside the box. I think that, I mean, that might have been later on. I think the one where he fell away from it was. In his first season, maybe I'm not sure. No, no, yeah.
1: that was that was just that was literally a few days before he left because I can remember he sort of stood up and didn't really give much of a shit. But yeah, that that was right, right before he left for United.
2: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've, I saw Middlesbrough quite a bit last season when they're in the Championship, so I'm not, I'm not too unfamiliar with them. If you've got any questions, they played decent football, didn't they? Um, not in the Championship. They didn't. They sort of. Um, I Karenka worked quite closely with uh, Jose Mourinho in the past, so it was safety first, really. Um, they spent an awful lot of money because they've had a, a chairman for a very long time who sort of has run the club fairly well. Um, so that they, they had, you know, Gaston Ramirez and learn and stuff like that. It's, um, Steve Gibbs, Gibson, I think, um, is the, the owner and the chairman's name. Um, but he's... It's sort of... It's, a, it's similar in the way to how... Um, What's his name now? The manager of Watford last season. Um, Kiko Flores. Yeah, I just remember, I can picture him because he was so handsome. Oh, he's a handsome,
1: handsome bastard,
3: isn't
2: he? Yeah, beautiful, especially with his stubble. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, similar to that, so he sort of, he packs the midfield and usually only plays with one striker and uh, it's very reminiscent of AVB even maybe um, that sort of continental style of, of keeping the ball and, and percentage football largely, um, which is you know it worked for them in the championship because it was perhaps a little bit more structured than other teams were playing. Um, but it wasn't particularly high energy. It was more about sort of taking their chances and, and breaking teams down over time rather than trying to overload or overwhelm anyone. So there's, I'm not I'm not too sure that they're the most exciting team in the world to watch. Um, but they're certainly, you know, competent and well organised, which is sort of, sort of seems like faint praise, but there's there's a lot to be said for that.
1: I mean, just having a look at their results, they <coughs> drew home to Stoke, they beat Sunderland away, drew away at West Brom, then lost at home to Palace, and then lost away at Everton. So yeah, it's, it's a fairly, it's a decent start, really. From um, five five points from their opening five games, isn't bad for a. Team that's just come up that you know many would probably expect to go straight back down. So I think you can probably say that they're uh, at the moment at least quite a hard one to work out. Um, we should, I mean, we should be beating them, right? Um, but yeah. would you be
2: would you be overly surprised to to see them spring a surprise on us? I think we're the biggest team that's gone to the Riverside yet this season, isn't it? so uh, this yeah. will be their their first proper. Oh look, we're back in the Premier League type of fixture. That's not it. not to be rude to any other team, but they'll no. they'll, they'll certainly be up for it. And Karanka will want to sort of prove himself against the likes of Pochettino, which is you know why he wants to be in it. He's an odd character uh, Karanka, by the way. He did this thing last year where um, they lost a few games, and he sort of he walked out on the club in a bit of a, a panic and somebody else had to sort of caretaker for a game and then he sort of came back in like with his tail between his legs and apologised for what had gone on and the club just sort of pretended it never happened. Um But he's he's quite sort of tetchy and sort of, it's almost as if he's trying to do a bit of a, a you know, a Mourinho homage in the way mm. in which he conducts himself. That might be a bit harsh on the boat. Maybe they they got on and worked together very well because they are sort of kindred spirits. Um but he he does have that almost um, that similar sort of way about him, which you know isn't going too well for Mourinho at the minute. Um, but the team's not bad if you actually look on paper at who they've got. They've got a few sort of players yeah. that go under the radar. I mean, Adam Clayton was at Town before he went to Borough, and he's you know he's a bit like. He's a bit like Scott Parker, but he's got a bit more industry about him. Um he's a bit uh, naughty in the challenge and stuff. He's a bit of a twat with the way he looks and, and acts, but he's a <laughs> he's a decent footballer. Um John Rhodes, I can't I can't imagine why John Rhodes isn't getting a go, because he's he's got everything that they need. I know they only play one striker, but and they've gotten a grade, obviously, on loan from Valencia, but He's one of those where if he, if he got a sniff in the Premier League, you know how almost Darren Bent did while he was at Charlton. Yeah, he's on one of those where if he, if he gets his eye in and starts scoring, then he just does score. There's a an, a borderline Harry Kane type quality to the way he gets going, and he's done it in in various leagues.
1: Who's that other look? I've heard him compared to what's his name? The one, uh, Char, uh, Charlie Austin, is it? He's sort of in that kind of bracket. I think he's a
2: bit—he's he's a bit smarter than Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin's not very technically capable. He can't play with his back to goal. Um, he needs a partner really to do the the clever work. Charlie Austin is a bit more of a an almost Jermaine Defoe type flat track bully. In that, you know, if he's facing goal, he's going to get it out of his feet and twat it when he can. He's not the type to. To be too clever with the ball, and you know, Juventus <laughs> forged a very good career out of doing that. So there's, you can't really, um, you can't really, you know, take away from him too much. But, um, I mm-hmm. think there's a there's a tad bit more to Jordan Rhodes, but they've got a few up front, so they didn't get rid of him, which they may well have done. They got rid of uh, Nugent, I think, which is um, hash. Is, is he still on the books? No, he's still not? on the books. I thought they got rid of him. He he's supposed to got a derby, I think. Um, but maybe that fell through because they've got Nigel Pearson. But, yeah, David Nugent sort of lives in this purgatory between the Premier League and the Championship.
1: McGregor's always going to be a threat, isn't he? A player of that uh, sort of quality. <laughs> Annoyingly, I know he, he's inconsistent, but he's still got a good performance in him.
2: Yeah, and he, he took the piss out of us once, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I think so. And it was City, wasn't it? I think he mm. scored a brace maybe against yeah. us. They've
2: got um, Victor Fisher, who they bought from Ajax, who's, you know, supposedly been good... Yeah. He's, um, I mean, he's fairly exciting. I think he's only young as well, maybe 21, 22 as well. So there's uh, there's that threat as well. That it's not as if they're a bad team. I mean, they got rid of uh, Adoma, um, who was actually really good last year. And I don't understand why they got rid of him either, because they've got the likes of Stuart Darn in there, who, you know, he may well be a local lad and, and sort of a big name, but he's it's not as if he's, he's very dynamic or quicker or anything like that anymore. Yeah, so he went
1: for that whole season at Liverpool without a goal or an
2: assist. Yeah, was, yeah, they, 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 they that's because they bought him to assist Andy Carroll, and Andy Carroll never played.
1: I was going to say, so that's a nice goal and assist we've got in uh, <laughs> yeah. goal for us the weekend. Yeah, I Have, like we've also got um, Victor Valdez in goal, which is just bizarre. Yeah, they've
2: actually signed him. It's not as if he's on loan no. or anything. They've and got it, him on. I think w-
1: what's equally surprising as that to me is the fact the bloke can actually grow a full head of hair like he's got his big ridiculous haircut now i just assumed he was bald you know and was shaving it for you know just to save himself the embarrassment but it's like
2: seb that seb can grow hair but he doesn't i know what's that about i don't know maybe just like he likes the aesthetic i'm not sure um
1: suppose he goes goes down well at all those marches he goes on
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah Um He
1: doesn't go on but anyone listening, I know Seb has a professional reputation that he needs to maintain. He doesn't go on any marches of I thought you were on
2: about five us for justice. No. No. So when he dresses up as a superhero and gets on top of buildings. Batman. Uh yeah. Um they've got Grant Ladbitter as well, who I quite like. I mean, he's he's, he's, he's a na- th- he's a nasty little bastard, isn't he? Yeah. But he's he's quite technical as well. I mean, he looks like he should be forty. And when you say his name as well, he sounds like almost in that sort of Dean White mould of you know being much older than you think he is, but he's only thirty, so he's actually still fairly mobile, and he, he's one that can every now and then score an absolute awitzer. So if there's if there's a, a chance going for him, then I'd, I'd not want him to have a crack. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting team. Um, they've they've got a lot going for him. That Stuani had a good game earlier on this season. That one game that they won where he scored a couple of Perlers. Um, I mentioned Gaston Ramirez earlier and they've got is it Callum Chambers on loan from Arsenal so there's a lot there Um, but obviously we've got more to call on and um, it should be enough you'd expect us to twat them, wouldn't you Um, in a similar way to how sort of Sunderland sat back and and tried to do us on the break and and that sort of a thing. I imagine they'll they'll incorporate a, a similar game plan. I think they've probably got a better manager than Sunderland do, um, and perhaps more able players. So if we give them the sort of chances that we gave Sunderland, especially away, then they're they more likely to take them. But if we if we're competent and we put in an away performance, um, even half as good as we did at Stoke, then you'd imagine we'd score a couple and and uh, and win the game. Let's
1: hope so. Right, let's go on to some... Uh, fuck Middlesbrough. bro. Um, let's go <laughs> on to some...
2: That was quite good for us. We didn't, you yeah, know... It was right, Davy, yeah.
1: Maybe not enough banter. Maybe we need to up the banter level a bit, mate. Do you reckon? Mm. Maybe the banter clacks and get it sounding.
2: The one thing that I really did want to ask, whichever Middlesbrough fan we may or may not have Was it gotten... about Palmos? No. Um, it was about um, whether or not they consider themselves to be in Yorkshire or not, because they're technically classed as a North Yorkshire yep. as borough, but it's not. I swear, <laughs> nobody in in Yorkshire wants to claim responsibility for Middlesbrough, um, because it's always what well, they tea side, te- isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we're burdened with Hull, um, and their sort of Humber side, but it still clusters as, as the East Riding. Um, I'm not sure we're too thrilled about being given Middlesbrough at the same time, but they are classed as North Yorkshire, which is very strange. So I wanted but, to ask but they them. They sound more
1: like Geordie's though, really, don't they?
2: Yeah, they're in that weird middle ground. Um, so I'd, I'd, I genuinely was intrigued to ask somebody from Middlesbrough whether or not they consider themselves to be Yorkshiremen or not, because I've never asked the question. I don't think I've ever been to Middlesbrough, um, which, you know, is maybe a good thing. I'm not sure. um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. That was my one selfish question. I had no football questions lined up for him. I sort of <laughs> know what I want to about Middlesbrough as a football club. But as as far as uh, sort of local attitude goes, that's what I wanted to know. If anybody f- listening to this is um, from Middlesbrough perchance, then uh, feel free to tweet us and and let me know whether or not you associate with God's Own County or not.
1: To say Raj in wants to talk about Yorkshire shocker, yeah sir, so, yeah, um I I don't really have any objection to actually Yorkshire is a wonderful place, you know, I, you know I've, I've did a you
2: see um did you see our Brownley boys this morning?
1: uh I did actually yeah, a bit of mugged, though. should have left his brother mate was <laughs> he playing at you know, <laughs> no, it's,
2: it was quite sweet, I mean, it was quite distressing to watch his legs go in them on the it day, was a bit weird, it? wasn't it, yeah, it was um he sort of. The fact that he managed to keep his feet was, was, um, you know, amazing. But it's just... You know, it was, really it was quite sports. funny how his
1: brother dropped him over the finish line and just started chatting to someone. Like, you know, he didn't I think he was getting medical father, attention, he?
2: to be fair to him. Yeah. But, you know, it uh, was it heat stroke, they called it. Some shot like that, wasn't it? Mm. it was knackered, wasn't he? Yeah, it's the last race. Did you see the, the South African twat that had won, though, sort of going mental? It's like, if the lad in front of you was, you know, halfway fit, you'd have been fucked, the lad. So I don't know why you're acting no, as if you just won gold at the Olympics when you sort of, this no-mark race, you've just got over the line and looked out. Yeah, twat. Um, yeah. Chris Leakes, at Mr. Chris Leakes, says, He wants to find some sort of puncher or kit for that. Hey.
1: <laughs> I'm sure like he's that. heard that before. Or some kind of vegetable joke here as well. Are leeks vegetables? Yeah, they are vegetables. Surely they're vegetables, aren't they? I'd something, imagine so, yeah. It's not it, things where it's going kind to of be like, actually, it's a leaf or something, is it? But,
2: you know. We know you as a Chelsea fan love singing about leeks, so.
1: Yeah. Um, Did you have much of it? No, back? it's cel- celery, not Is leeks. it celery? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it.
2: God, mate. Um, <laughs> it's... It does concern me how fair you are with <laughs> their fandom, oh,
1: mate. Like I said, I've grown up in basically like you know an West area London, that is yeah. just full of them everywhere. Like that's kind of why I have that thing where I sort of hate them a bit. I hate them in a different way to 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 Arsenal, as most people do. But
2: sort of know. like my relationship with Leeds, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh,
1: don't know, um, Chris Leakes. Anyway, he says. <laughs> What's happening with Kevin Wimmer? Can't be last season performances, so perhaps another off-the-field issue. I mean, we can't speculate too much on this because it has been pretty tight-lipped, hasn't it, on on whatever's happened. But you would assume that something has happened behind the scenes, as it were. Um, But one thing I did want to ask you about, Rose, I wanted to... Because I'll 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 happily stick my neck out here and say that I feel there's a I feel that people are a little bit rose tinted with Wimmer. I think he was good and I think he was he was very good for someone that came in to fill in for Jan Vatongan, who is a highly experienced member of the squad who had a great partnership with Alderweireld. But I I, I felt at times I was I was watching a different player to, to everyone else. I, I, I thought Wimmer was very capable and as I say, under the circumstances, did a good job. But I don't quite buy into the idea that he was on par with, if not better than Jan Vertonghen. Um I, I just kind of f- feel like, to an extent, and maybe, maybe this is too harsh, I felt to an extent that, you know, he was graced with playing alongside Alderweireld some of the time.
2: I think the answer actually lies within the question with um Vatonga, actually, because I think there's a there is a subset of fan who still isn't sort of sold on Vatonga, there are people who, you know, if there is a goal that is is conceded, they'll they'll do the level best to blame it on Vatonga. And as as well as he plays and and sort of um, as as committed as he seems, there seems to be a a remnant lefto- left over, sorry, from that season where people questioned his commitment and whatnot. Um and the fact that the come in and done so well has given them a new centre back to to focus their affections on, and I think sort of having somebody who is an alternative to Vatonga in the same position and who, you know, th- the results didn't really falter while Vima played. In, in all fairness to him, he sort of slotted in um, with no real questions and, and and was you know dumped fairly unceremoniously once Vatonga was fit again as he as he probably should have been. Um, but there, there, does seem to be this this strange um, willingness for there to be a uh, somebody to take over from Tonga, and I, I don't see it myself. I know, I know he's he's not perfect. He's he, he does have errors in him. So does Aldo the by the way, but that's it. You know, I, I, I definitely get what you're saying because it it seems to be,
1: um, I, I think a, a prime example of this is that game against Monaco where he was kind of blamed for backing off too much from that from the Bernardo Silver goal. Uh, The first goal. Um, And I I kind of, I I see the point to an extent where, you know, he's backing off, backing off, backing off. But surely, you know, if if you actually saw the way kind of Bernardo Silva approached, you know, he was quick, he's very direct and he's obviously very skillful on the ball. That's not the sort of play you just go diving into the challenge on right oh, that's yeah. almost what he was in, in inviting from Vatonga, and maybe you know if did back off a bit he could have held his ground a bit better but I think it's it's splitting hairs to say why is he backing off why hasn't he gone in for the challenge because
2: the main criticism was that he, he showed him onto his left foot and didn't show him onto his right which is far more easier said than done right and um it's not as if this lad was running at him slowly. He's, it's sort of the midfield, me and Seb spoke at quite a length last season about our, our opinions of, of how the midfield had, had sort of been set up in that first half. And he, he was really given free rein to run at him, especially at the way he won the ball from Lamella, um, or was given it rather. um, So that it wasn't as if Fatongan had a lot of time to set himself. So he was always um, sort of on the back foot, quite literally. um, And... You know his inability to turn him inside out wasn't really any fault other than he was trying to make the best out of a bad situation, and it wasn't as if it was an easy finish that he left him on either. He, he turned him inside out and then he hit a beautiful out out curve with the outside of his left foot across Larice and put it right in the bottom corner. So it wasn't a, a, a cheap goal, so to speak. I mean, the way in which we gave up possession wasn't the way we desired, but I don't think it was. You know. As avoidable as um, it was made out to be, as far as the Tongan is concerned.
1: I I always just th- kind of revert back to this thinking as well that if you if you look at our defensive performance over the course of last season, if you look at our defensive performances so far this season, you look at how you know we're we're performing in the league. That's not it's not a fluke. You know, there's there's obviously something. Very good going on there. I mean, yeah, okay, Larice and Alderweireld stand out, but at the same time, they're not going to be doing all that on their own. And it it just to to accept this sort of school of thought that a player is never going to. It's it's not even about making an error as such. It's just this this sort of lack of willing to see a player not have a perfect performance every single week. It's quite bizarre, um, and I think that is something that
2: Vertonghen gets a lot. Um, it's like these people that try and dig out Ben Davies as well, isn't it? Yeah, mate,
1: don't don't <laughs> even get me don't <laughs> even get me started on that one. Um, we can get you can get started on that one if you want in a bit. It's, it's
2: your son, isn't it? It's not
1: my son, mate. It's he's just. I don't think he's a bad player. It's
2: just he's just it's, not Danny Rose he's just
1: not Danny Rose and he's not, I think even for Tongan played better than he did at at left back mate. I just, I don't know. It's it's Davis. I think Davis has got, it was interesting how
2: well Davis played at at center back in a midfield three for Wales. I think maybe um, his future might lie there. I'm not entirely sure. I still think he's fairly competent. I think he's defensively very sound. I I think, yeah, I think he's competent. I think he's, I think
1: he's very good going forwards and he's, Chelsea he's, are willing to good. offer
2: us 20 million as well, according to the rumour mill. Really? Yeah, yeah apparently, because they need to uh, to bump up their homegrown quota. So apparently, uh, Ben Davies is is one on their list um, for a minimum of of 20 million to try and pry him away from us.
1: He just seems so scared over time, mate. That's it. Like to me, as I like, I've said it in probably harsher terms in the past when I've I think I've called him a fucking pussy toward the end of last season when everything was in meltdown um and yeah you know, maybe i wouldn't go that's that
2: far but it, it just seems to be that he he's a very colorful description he <laughs> he
1: uh he just i don't know i just think he he, he seems a bit scared all the time and i was, I was he has got a bit
2: of choir boy about him i'll yeah, give you that i'd hope that he would sort of pass that a little bit now he does have the odd he does have the odd naughty challenge in him though where he does tend to just sort of do a bit of a niggle one in so I'm not sure. I mean, it's it, it sort of it's accentuated um, the difference between him and Danny Rose, especially going forward, given just how far Danny Rose has come on. Um, but you know, I, I, as far as backups go, I don't, I'm not sure we're gonna find no. that, oh, a yeah, much better option. That's... Line about or willing to um, sort of play second fiddle. And you know, every time he, he speaks about it as well, um, Ben Davies, he seems to be fairly. Um, at peace with the fact that you know yeah, he, we'll he can't get into the team because yeah. Danny Rose is playing so well. It's not as if he's he's making overtures or, or you know saying things or speaking at a turn, which may well fall into <laughs> this choir boy uh, persona that we've given him. Um, but I mean, he seems actually whenever you see like photos of the squad on and sort of meals and that, he seems to be there. So maybe he's just a good person to have around the place. You don't know, you know, those sort of people are can be priceless tom in Carole. terms of yeah tom carroll yeah the, we, 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 which, which, stops. Is, which
1: is another one i, I tell you what, this, this this will start a bit of a it's not a meltdown but a bit of a bugbear i had the other week i i, I really don't like it i i honestly really don't like it when fair enough if people want to tweet i think tom Carroll's shite why did he sign a new contract fine whatever but a player the size of, of Tom Carroll, he's not gonna have a PR team around him like someone like Harry Kane does. So he probably still reads his own tweets. He probably gets a his fair mum reads amount.
2: them to him. Yeah, but I
1: just why why do people still have this habit of tweeting at the player? Your shit. Why it's have you signed a the new fucking it's contract It's faceless with him? though, isn't it? People don't realize <sighs> it's, it's so there's shitty. Someone on the other end of it. It's so shitty to like to your own players as well, you know. Like if if you if you if you really do have a problem with the way one of these lads is playing, like how is that going to make it better? I don't know. I'm 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 thinking too much. And if someone that spends their life habitually trolling on the internet,
2: well, if you cash your mind back, um, before he was in the team, Danny Rose had a Twitter account. And yeah, he stopped using it because when everyone thought he was shit, um, he got rid of it because he just couldn't take up. Out- you know the abuse he was getting uh, for for playing essentially, um, which sort of looks very silly now when he's one of the the fans' firm favourites and um, and he he hasn't gone on back onto the platform since because of that. Um, and I mean, there was a similar reaction actually when Danny Rose was given a five year contract extension yeah. when Pochettino came in and before this sort of Rose Renaissance happened. Um, so, you know, you never know. I think Tom Carroll's a strange case because he's always had the ability there, like the, the raw ingredients we can see as as to what he was going to do. And, and he's been given a chance by every single manager that's come in, has played him. Cause, so they obviously see something there. It's not as if he's ever disappeared or gone anywhere or, or been demoted or anything like that. He's still hung around the place. And I don't think as much as we joke about it, it's just because he's Harry Kane's mate. Um, which you know it may well be some element of truth in that. I don't think it's it's all the way the truth though. Um, but yeah, it's it's strange. I think he needs to seriously bulk up and, yeah. and sort of you know get him on b- the
1: creatine are they allowed yeah. to, is that a banned substance or are they allowed to i'm stop? not sure
2: but creatine just puts water in your muscles so it's not as if he's actually going to make him any stronger it's just sort of oh, is it making like a
1: vanity up. a vanity bulking
2: yeah it's sort of those um those chores you see wearing t-shirts with v-neck down to the belly button yeah so it, it's them dickheads that take it rather than actually doing any work they just put water in the muscles um so it's it's a strange one that i think uh, some athletes Maybe do use it. I think there's probably a moderation. There's there's some use to it. I'm no nutrition, um, but um, I don't think it's you know what you rely on to make you stronger by any means. He's, uh,
1: I don't know. I think I think the one thing I've I've said it before, probably in quite silly terms, and I likened him to <laughs> having a Modric esque eye for a ball. But I I do think that is kind of a point to carol I, I I think what he does have. Um, He's got a brain that you show. can't really he, teach. D- he has, and he 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 you know recycles possession well. I find he he doesn't dwell in possession too often. He seems to get it, and he's very eager to release it, and generally release the ball forwards as well, and look for a probing pass. And I do think that is something that Tom Carrer has going for him. And there's well, there's obviously something there that, as you say, has had every single manager pick him since he's gone. And you know, when he was when he was in the youth team, I remember in one of the old uh, 1882 games with him and Bentaleb on the same pitch, and Tom Carroll was by far the standout player, and I know that's that's a very isolated occasion, and there's a lot more that goes into making a professional footballer than just ability alone. You know, Bentaleb obviously had a, uh, you know, fucking the mentality of a of a war-weary, you know, man that's seen things. Um apparently he had an absolute shocker the other day as well for Schalke
2: did he I, I watched one of his first games and he was excellent um and I couldn't I can't bring myself to watch him again after that it's sort of like stalking an ex's Facebook page yeah. it's just it's not healthy so I just try and stay away no.
1: but um whatever yes yeah, so I t- you know
2: um Schalke have got Benjamin Stambouli as well so they've got this they? Tot- Tottenham reject middle of the part now
1: right I see that one's I don't
2: I think you can actually call Benjamin Stambouli an ex-Tottenham player because I think he just turned up for like six months and sort of had his picture taken and and sort of made people weak at the knees with his, you know, moaning about the place and his French accent. He didn't actually play at all. He just looked so
1: bad. He always looked like he was running in treacle, didn't he? It was just so... Awful, awful. Um... Force fed. Ah, oh, this is a good one. At wayno underscore Miller says, "If Kane being injured is a good thing because he needs a rest, how much crack must you have smoked to believe that?" Um, now this this does seem to be something that's causing a lot of consternation at the moment. Um, because we don't we don't actually, as far as I'm aware, we don't actually know how long Kane is out for. We know he had his scan no. today. We don't know which, in my opinion, is not good news. To be honest i think the club are whatever not to get tin for hats about it but they're probably considering the best way to address this because they know that the fans are gonna want answers and they're gonna want to know exactly how long he's out for um what the extent of the injury is so on and so forth um so i guess they're probably just getting as maybe a second opinion um but it is something you have to be careful about because he is one of our star players. And if the news is that he's going to be out for, what, six to eight, if not longer, weeks, um, we're going to need something to cushion that. I mean, it, it, it seems to be, that aside, um, what what uh, Wayne's getting at here um, is, you know, it's been commented on that Kane's look pretty tired, pretty leggy for... The early part of the season, um, and is this going to be a chance for him to have a rest, essentially, albeit a forced rest?
2: Um, I don't think there's any correlation between being injured and resting. I think they're two very different things,
1: right? Because it's still a period of recovery. Isn't yeah, it?
2: are you still going to have to be putting in work to get back fit? Um, it's not as if you sort of he's injured and they go, oh, you've, you're out for eight weeks, so you can go on. And- sit on your sofa and work your way through skybox sets for two months. That's not the way it works. If anything, he's going to be putting himself under more stress and more pressure while he's injured and trying to go through rehab um, and, and sort of getting him back himself back from a sort of a, a midterm injury and doing that sort of a thing. And And then when he comes back from that... It, it's much harder to find his feet than it would be if he was just being rested for a game or two because he'll have to he'll play himself into form play himself into fitness in a way that he he wouldn't have to do if he's just having you know the odd game off because if he was just having games off he'd still be training and still have his fitness and his his sharpness would be there because he'd he'd essentially be keeping his eye in but he just won't be going through and, and playing. So I think the are two very different things. I think Wade makes a good point. I think it's it's often a mistake people make as of, of sort of seeing an injury and thinking, oh, this is a, a, maybe a blessing in disguise. And, you know, perhaps on one or two occasions, some players can spin it in that regard and, and say that it has been good for him to just get away from the game for a little while. But um, I'm not entirely sure that's something to, to hang your hat on. Um, I just, I just don't think
1: there's a world in which it's good that we might not have a Harry Kane for two months. You know. But
2: yeah, and then th- there's always complications with injury as well. Who's to say when he comes back in two months' time, he, he's he won't ever be, you know, fully fit again um, straight away because there'll there'll be a weakness there. That it, you know can break down, and the amount of times you see players have recurring injuries, or or something else goes wrong because they've sort of compensated in their muscles to sort of take the weight or pressure off one area, and it goes on another, and they have a knock-on effect to that. Um, you never want a player as important to us as Harry Kane is to have any sort of serious injury. I don't think because the the risk you take with that is um it, it's it's far too big. For for the possible payoff, in my opinion, it's annoying, isn't it? Because
1: we've been we've been quite lucky last season uh, for a couple of years, probably, with, in terms of big injuries. Um, but now, obviously, we've got this, which is potentially catastrophic, really. Um, so yeah, I mean,
2: if I mean uh, in the flip side of that is if it turns out it's a it's sort of two weeks wait for the swelling to go down put your foot up on the odd cushion while you're at home sort of a thing then maybe there is a point to say oh yeah yeah get stress it. off the opposite to that is you're gonna have to be on crutches and do this and that for a while that's that's not F- something you're around you know, in swimming pool and, stuff <laughs> and yeah that's not something you want to to entertain i don't think
1: no definitely not um Right, let's have a look. Uh, da, 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 da. It's quite a good question, actually, on on topic of that, really. We of Spurs at We of Spurs says, should we start Harrison up front on Wednesday night? So Jansen is fully rested for Saturday. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe in terms of keeping Jansen rested, I'd, I'd quite happily see Jansen... Be given as much game time as he can get at the moment.
2: Yeah, Jansen's played about as much as either of one of us. Two, else, so he can yeah. you can possibly two on two on the back.
1: But in terms of Harrison getting a bit of time, if Kane is going to be out for a while, I wouldn't mind seeing an actual backup for Jansen being there as well. So perhaps there is something to give in the back Harrison back-ups. a bit of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, see, see what they're like. I want to see. Um, I I'm see- not. I don't hear great things about Sean Harrison. To be honest, I think maybe maybe Windy. He's our Youth expert, isn't he? Um, I don't think he's been overly bowled over by by him in the past. Sorry if I miss your wins, um, I want to um, oh, see.
2: I want to see the kid Marcus Edwards get a crack at Gillingham. Um, yeah, I,
1: I, I, I he, well, he's in the team tonight though, so that kind of maybe means that he won't. Okay. Yeah, which is I, I, I can't help but think there's there's potch. Is you know having a bit of a power play there, just letting him know who's boss. Um, no, no, maybe he'll be on the ways. bench. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I could be talking absolute crap, but most likely am. Um, I often do.
2: Sometimes, maybe. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, no disrespect, but it's it's Gillingham, so we should be able to put out a sort of a a more than reserve side and, and still be fairly comfortable mm. against them. I mean, they're in what league are they in? I don't even, are they in League One league one i think yeah yeah i mean then they're not ever too high up league one from what i remember they're sort of a mid-linger team and they've got a yeah they're not there's nothing we should really be worried about there's there is that weird um narrative there the fact that it's uh justin edinburgh that's their manager so if, if there's a team that sort of is going to have an old player turn up with a shit team and Lose one to a ricky, one off the arse or something like that, so that people can do a, the headline, and then you know. But we should score ten.
1: Uh, oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I um, <laughs> haven't had one of for a while. Um, Dominic at Dominic Taylor ninety seven says this is pretty pretty punchy one. Will the soul of our club die the moment we decide to share a stadium with an NFL London based team? Well, I hope not. It's going to happen, isn't it? So,
2: I mean, this is think something football's soul
1: is dying, really. That's <sighs> yeah. what it's more about, isn't it?
2: I don't think it's dead, I think it's just been sold. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is something I get in trouble for talking about often is the relationship between our club and, and sort of the big business that is, is uh, happening in, in football and and you know what might happen after Enoch and things. I know people take jabs at our owners and, and sort of the way in which they run things because they're an investment company and, you know, the bottom line means they'll always be looking for money back. And I know Daniel Levy's come out recently and said that he wants to stay at the club for a longer term than he already has been, um, which is interesting. Um, you know, I think it's better the devil, you know, in this sort of situation. You never want to see... Uh, I would be very uncomfortable with with any sort of relationship in terms of what Chelsea or Manchester City have, because I I think that is hollow, to say the very least, and be polite for me. Um, And the other the other side of that is then you, you don't know what you're being sold to. I mean, I'm sure Blackburn fans were really impressed when the Venkis first come in and, and promised them the Sky with their Indian chicken money. But they're going to be in League <laughs> One next season because... They're fucking awful, and they're not being run properly. And if there's one thing you can say about the way Daniel Levy runs his club is that he's run it properly. We've become demonstrably better under their ownership, and I think any denial of that is absurd and sort of blind to fact. Um, which you know maybe is the way in which this country is going, um, but uh, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I, I get very uncomfortable when. Things like that are brought up, as you well know. Um, uh, the NFL thing seems like it's sort of, it's it's almost like the best out of a bad situation. You'd That's rather it, it, right, isn't it? You'd rather it be just Tottenham's ground, and you know, I, I don't want it to sort of suddenly become known as you know London Hotspurs NFL and The Dunkin' and Donuts like that. Dome. Yeah, something weird like that is is you know not. No, nice to think it's about. It's
1: going to be a, some faceless insurance company or something. I think I, like I, a...
2: had, I, I heard something that it was um, the Qatar, Qatari Investment Fund or something like that was interested in giving us $150 million or something like that to name it after them. So it will end up being called like the Qatar Dome or something, something like that, so we'll... We'll soon find out, but the longer that we can stave that off and and still stays as true to Tottenham as possible is, is for the better, in my opinion. Um, how much that that matters, I'm not sure, but um, I'd I'd rather it stayed that way. I mean, I, I don't want to go much further than that. Yeah, fuck it.
1: Um, Sean Taylor. At Sean Tate asks, "How how naughty will Naser be when he comes to the lane?"
2: Oh, he had the right time of it, didn't he for West Brom?
1: He did. He's, a, I mean, he's a decent player, isn't he? You know, he's, he's. I would have happily kept him on the books. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't good enough for our first team, but there's still goals in the lad, and you can imagine him being someone like West Brom's
2: main man. I like. think that's, a, that, that's the point. I think that's the flip side of it, that maybe we haven't entertained as much as that. Perhaps there was ambition from his side to not just yeah. be a squad member and go and be the big man somewhere, which he's, is more,
1: you know he's more than capable. I mean, it, you know, this this is an interesting point actually because I've seen like Pochettino get a bit of flack this week from people saying, you know, he's too quick to let people go because, you know, Townsend, Kapu and Chadley have all, you know, done very well. Their teams, and I, I, I think you know, squad players are squad players, right? You know, you're you, you you've can, got to look
2: at the teams they've gone to as well, though. Well,
1: that's it, and this is one. But I mean, one thing that does stand out for them, and I think what stands out for the for the strength of our team, is the fact that these lads, who all three of them are quite clearly the best, if not one of the best players in their respective teams. However, for us, they they don't have a claim to be, you know, a first team. They're not
2: Very even not. in the conversation.
1: I just I just think now that we need to, and I, I, this ties into what I was saying at the start of the season, how everyone was suddenly worried about like, you know, City got pep now, Chelsea are back, United have signed all these players on and so forth. That, that almost like wipes out what Spurs have done over the past few years and where we are now. Um, and I think there is there almost needs to be a kind of a realignment in thinking as to what Spurs are as a team now. And if you actually do go through our squad and you look at the sort of players that we have available to us, we are a very very good team. We are a very good team and we, you know, we quite rightfully finished in the, you know, in the top 4 last year and I don't see any reason why we can't do that again. We we have all the ability. We have all the personnel as well to match any of the best teams in the league. I I honestly believe that. You know, I think you could, Okay, you can look at a team like City and say, man for man, you know, X, Y, Z are better than what we have available to us. But I I don't think it, I don't think football is as like binary as that anymore. Um, And I don't think it's as straightforward as that to say, you know, well, City have got whoever, Nolito, he'd walk into our team. Kevin De Bruyne, who would arguably walk into our team. Agüero, but yeah, okay, that's great. But at the same time, that's not to say the players that we have available to us can't can't do a job that's just as good. I mean, look at Harry Kane. You know, anyone anyone would say, for example, well, you're going to take Agüero over Kane. Yet Kane won the Golden Boot last year, and he scored. I believe he outscored Agüero the year before that as well, didn't he? Or no, Agüero
2: can't under. do more than sort of two months without breaking down either. So. There are pros and cons to having him on your books as well. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I, I think, yeah, okay, you
1: you can look at, you can look at, back to the original point, you can look at someone like Chadley and see him perform really well. Sigurdsson's another prime example of this. Sigurdsson can, can look absolutely fantastic for Swansea, but there is, I believe, a lot of kind of, you know, revising of history when it comes to a player like Sigurdsson. Like, Sigurdsson was never a bad player for Spurs. But he wasn't that good either he just wasn't you know he 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 was great but he was limited you know he didn't have that much pace physically he wasn't that able really and when he was asked to kind of be a bit of a bit part to play you know more into a system as opposed to having all the play channeled through him as he has at a team like swansea he just he, he just didn't adapt to that well. Dempsey's another example of that, right? Pulling up trees for Fulham every week when he when, you know when he kind of was given freedom, when he was afforded that power to essentially be the team, to be the the figurehead of the team, he was great. And that's fair enough, but when he's coming into a team that has a player like Gareth Bale ahead of him, he's not going to be given that, you know, because that's that's what Gareth Bale was for us. Yeah. Um And so I I don't know. These are all things that you need to consider, but I I think maybe one who I think fair enough to is Etienne Capoue, because he showed before he got that injury at Arsenal, he actually looked pretty fucking decent for us. And for whatever happened
2: after that I think he was, the one thing I always said about him was he always seemed fairly mentally fragile because he would have one or two really good games, but then he'd make a mistake and he'd not be right for another month. Yeah. Yeah. then, there's a player there. There's a good. There's oh, a good of course there is. There. I mean, look yeah. at the way he's he's playing at the minute. Not the goals. I mean, it's the things that he he does yeah. off the ball that are perhaps the most impressive. And these are as you as you rightly say, these are players with a lot of ability. Um, but it's about finding that harmony in your squad. And if these are people who have the intention and ambition of being the main man elsewhere, and if that's the way in which their talent is best, sort of. Translated onto the field by being the the big fish in a small pond, but to, so to speak, then you sort of you let them go and you you move on from it. And it's not as if we've moved on from any of them and and really regretted it. I think no. man for man, we've either replaced them with with better players or or like for like replacement. Um, I mean, the only one who we've really lost in recent years and and probably didn't want to is Gareth Bale. Modric um, as well. Well, that was before and but um you know what, you saying, know what i'm yeah, saying yeah. but it's um it's one of those really it's it's um it's not the end of the world and it, it makes sense that, that people move on. You see it at, at, at clubs bigger than Tottenham all the time. You see, you know, we were often the people who would in years gone by get better because a larger club had got rid of a, a fringe star and they would come in and, and be a big player for us. I mean, when Teddy Sheringham left Manchester United and came back to us, it wasn't as if we were turning him down and going, oh, he's only coming back here because, you know, Manchester United is too big for him now, it's... It's ridiculous. It's just sort of, we, we've we got to get used to our standing and, and, and see the way in which these people, you know, almost see themselves as professionals. So it's... Well, look at it, for all
1: their best efforts, you know, you couldn't, like you're saying with us, with Bale, you can lose a player of that quality and, you know, struggle. Well, United have never been able to replace Ronaldo, ever, you know. It's... And Bale's quite obviously in that, yeah, you know, maybe not in exactly the same bracket as Ronaldo, but in terms of his, his I think he's impact got one on foot league, in that bracket now. Yeah, exactly. You know, his his the way in which he utterly decimated the Premier League in that final year with Spurs, it was akin to what Ronaldo was doing in his in his final season at United, you know, and probably seasons leading up to that. So, you know, I, I don't know. You can you can look. Too much into into these kind of things and like you know this hope that we're going to be able to replace these players, so we're actually neglecting the fact that you know Gareth Bale isn't just like a once in a generation footballer; he's a once in a lifetime player. Really, you know uh, how how many players down the years can you actually say Spurs have had that have been of that quality? Um, I'm sure many would probably argue kind of the likes of Hoddle or Waddle or whoever. I I mean I never got to see him, but. Maybe they were, but even still, it's 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 probably players on one hand, right? Um, so there you go. Um, let's have a look. Let's do one more question because it ties in quite nicely to the returning king. Um, that is Mister Dembele at Tom Foyne's eighty-seven, who does something with some other thing podcast shit i don't know um he asks what's what's the tallest building musa dembele could throw tom carroll over um
2: i'm not sure canals or something
1: something pretty is that that one in dubai the really tall one
2: oh the burj al khalifa
1: whatever it is that's that is that still the tallest building in the world
2: i don't know i'll google it yuck. go on Tallest. Building in the world. Here we go. There's a Wikipedia list, of course. There is. Yes, it's been the world's tallest building since 2008. The Burj Khalifa in Dubai. I added an Al in there because I'm a racist. (laughs) And then the the next one is Shanghai Tower, and then is the Abraj Al Bait Towers. And then uh, it was one World Trade Center. No, is one World Trade Center. The new one. Yeah. Yes, it is um and then there's Taipei 101 Shanghai Financial World Centre Shanghai World Financial Center uh International Commerce Centre Patronus Towers which I think is probably the best looking out of all of them if I'm being honest and uh Xifeng Tower is the last one that thrilling countdown of the world's tallest buildings <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's such a it's such a big dick competition, isn't it? Like it's you know the whole tall oh, yeah. tower thing.
2: Talk about overcompensating.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I reckon that that's the tallest one. you know, it it really it struck me actually when he came on at Wembley. Do you want to guess?
2: Um, um, in in feet, how tall do you think the world's tallest building is?
1: So how how high does a plane go up? About twenty thousand feet in it. Is thirty thousand, I think, is a cruising thirty thousand feet. Okay. Um, so I would guess at so you got your shard, which is about what what is a shard about two, three thousand foot tall? I think is it.
2: (laughs) Um, before you guess, let me find out how tall the shard. Yeah, find out how tall the shard. Just before you say something really stupid.
1: I yeah, I have really really poor like spatial depth perception stuff.
2: That's the option, let me find it, okay. The Shard is not 3,000 feet tall, it is 1,016 feet tall. Wow, So it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's a third of the size you thought it was.
1: Okay, all right, with that in mind then, so Shard, cause, I mean the Shard as it goes, it's the biggest thing in Europe, in it, but it's still kind of small. So This I'm, is
2: by far the worst thing we've ever broadcast. I'm going to, what, worse than train <laughs> stations? No, yeah. train stations was good, I enjoyed that. I hope this this is genuinely one man asking another man about a list on Wikipedia.
1: Tom Foyne's, I hope you realise he's done this on purpose, hasn't he? He knows that by asking this we're gonna go off on those tangents. Yeah. Fucking saboteur. Um, right, so I'm gonna say tallest tower is three and a half thousand feet.
2: No, it's uh, a thousand it's two thousand seven
1: hundred and seventeen. Ah fucking pussies, you can get some. doing that. <laughs> One
2: hundred, um, uh, one hundred and seven, one hundred
1: and sixty-three floors, eight hundred and thirty meters. Right there you go. Um, but yeah, Tom Carroll's getting chucked over that. But as I was gonna say, when he, uh, when he came on at Wembley, it was only then when I noticed. Really, I mean, I've, I've not only just then noticed. I've always seen he's a big lad, but actually, how big of a lad he is. But Who how is that? Tom uh, Carroll? No, Mr. Dembello. <laughs> I was gonna like, say. He's massive. He's absolutely. I think massive. he was
2: carrying a bit of extra timber then because he's not been playing.
1: He's. Oh, God. It was so. Even though he was a, he was rusty, it was so nice having him back. Yeah. I've missed him so much. Just. I don't know. He's just like. He's just Belgian chocolate, isn't he? That's what he is. He's just glorious, just smooth, he's yeah. silky.
2: This is very erotic. He
1: is. Oh. Um, what did you, a quick one, very quick one. What did you make of Sissoko? Uh,
2: it's patchy. Um, I mean, it was fairly functional. I don't think it was spectacular. But I- the odd- I, I quite like how direct he is, mate. I've got to say, that's one thing I will say. Because I, I think that's th- what he wanted, though. That's what yeah. I think Pochettino sent him out with that expression intention because that's the one thing he publicly complained about about our attack is that we weren't as direct um, on the wings as maybe we could have been. Um, so I think that's what he's been brought in for essentially and that's why he, like if he went for Zaha as well. Wilfred, well, Um I wouldn't
1: have minded one. For it still, to be honest. But um
2: no, I thought Sisoko was alright. He has this in- annoying intention of um of sort of taking snapshots at defenders' legs rather than sort of taking a touch and passing it. He sort of maybe his his uh his decision making has got to improve a little bit um for him to be very good. Um but you know, it, it wasn't the worst full debut in the world.
1: No, it wasn't at all. Um oh, a quick one just because I I do like this at harold underscore Hadini asks what's your favorite pizza topping and type of base for me your standard like neapolitan base so proper like risen nice risen crust very very thin very very thin base and just just margarita a well-done margarita not with like processed grated cheese with like big dollops of like buffalo mozzarella rich tomato sauce underneath Drizzle of olive oil, Dan. That's me sorted. What about you, Raj, you a meat feast kind of guy? Uh no.
2: Um I don't mind. Uh I I d I don't like pizzas which have too much different meats on them. Like you've got half a cow on them, that just seems odd to me. I, I think vegetables go much better on a pizza than meat does. So you've got to be sort of careful of what you put on it. Um, but I don't mind sort of um similar to you, sort of stone baked sort of wood fire pizza is obviously the nicest and the best especially if it's sort of homemade um, tomato sauce and stuff with a bit of a kick in it and fresh cheese that's you know hot and bubbly when you get it um but my uh, the two things that i have on every pizza no matter what is, else is on it is always mushroom and jalapeno
1: that's that's a, a good
2: that's the secret to a good pe- a good pizza in my opinion
1: i'm um, uh, you know i I'm I'm not I I don't know. I'm I'm not that fussed by lots of toppings on pizzas so... No, not really lots of not. toppings. No, no no no, I'm those, not saying you're too you, as the are. backbone of my No definitely. I but I just mean yeah, some people will like they will want loads of shit on there. Like loads and loads of shit. I'm happy with just that like, compromises
2: you know, the uh, structural integrity of the pizza as well. Exactly it? that.
1: Mate, wavelength, same wavelength on this one, mate. I'm uh, I'm feeling this. Um <laughs> Just quickly, right? We're on an hour and fifteen now, so we'll, we'll we'll wrap up in a minute. Um, anything? How's 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 TV land for you at the moment, Raj? Anything?
2: It's really good. Um, you Atlanta.
1: You keep telling me to watch Atlanta.
2: I do keep what telling me to watch Atlanta. It's the um am by uh, Donald Glover. I, I said that I was looking forward to it last time we talked about TV, but it is it's is, it started and it's fantastic. It's sort of it's about um, rap in Atlanta is the sort of the easy way to say it. But it's not as if it's about sort of top level or well, that like,
1: hoppity hip that goes on about.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of about um somebody's just trying to break into the industry and a pair of cousins and, and stuff like that. There's, you know, a made up rapper called Paperboy and Donald Glover who's childish Gambino writes all the raps and everything, so the music's really good. But it's just sort of one of those it's one of those artistic shows not to sound too wanky but it's one of those things much like sort of louis and things like that which is driven artistically in the direction of it is driven clearly by one person with a very clear intention and vision in mind um so it's it's not diluted in any sense it doesn't feel as if it's been built by committee or written with a an intention to achieve anything other than what the person creating it has gone in to do um, which is, you know, really good. It's really funny and, you know, it's got really sharp observations and it's sort of, it's, it's it's set in contemporary times, which is, you know, there's a lot of shows that we watch that aren't, so it's nice to sort of see, you know, jokes and things that have, you know, fall into line with, with everyday life as it is now um and it's only half an hour long as well so it's on fx as well which is perhaps where that louis comparison came from so it's not it's not hard to watch like a a half hour program every now and then because sometimes i do get a bit um a bit bogged down by um an hour-long show sometimes i don't i don't understand why but if i've got like two episodes of a of a hour-long show which essentially boils down to about 40 minutes really but it feels longer than watching a film for some reason. It feels like a bigger commitment to make than maybe just bashing out one or two episodes or something, which is strange. Um, but it's you know, it's beautifully shot. It, it's sort of the writing's impeccable, and it's uh it's just nice. I I, I really I really enjoy it. I really like it, and I urge uh, anyone to to do it. I mean, it it just it sort of focuses on a on a subculture and a, a division of society that. That doesn't get the um the focus that perhaps other things do, and it's it's nice to see that treated with a, a level of uh, respect, understanding, and uh, sort of mm-hmm. love and affection um, that it deserves, which is nice. And it sort of it doesn't stray into sort of um stereotype or or um lazy sort of writing or. or you know, things that you'd expect to happen in that sort of a thing. Yeah, Um, It's very, very modern and, and very good in that way. It's, it's, it's sort of reminiscent of uh, Master of None, if you will.
1: Now on the flip side talking about a cross-section of society that probably is heavily saturated and does get a lot of exposure, I saw Bridget Jones' baby this week. <laughs> Did you enjoy
2: it? I mean, I, I have... Uh, Memories of watching that as sort of a teenager, sort of you know in my front room with my mum and dad, and sort of following it, but not following it as much as perhaps I would do now. Because has it been like ten years since the last one, or even longer?
1: Something like that. Yeah, I'm not so sure. But uh, honestly speaking, it was all right, mate. It was you know, it's, whose it's, baby is it? I'm not. I'm not gonna. No spoilers. Nice. No it's spoilers gonna be Colin first, worries. isn't it? Um. But as uh. You know, it's Twee. Don't get me wrong, it's Twee, it's the most whitewashed, ridiculous vision of London you can imagine. And as you expect from those type of films, right? That you know, the fact that she lives in a flat in Borough Market, like and it's supposed to be seen as somehow like a pokey little kind of shithole in a way. Um, is just absolutely ridiculous in itself because it's the type of place it would go on the market for like one and a half, two million pounds sort of <laughs> thing in like one of the most, you know, elite parts of London. Isn't um, she like a
2: runner on a TV programme? Well,
1: in this, in this, at this point now, she's like one of the producers, but even oh, right. still, like, you know, you're sort of talking like a banker's salary to live where she does. And yeah, exactly, basically like how, how everything falls very neatly into place. so yeah I mean if, if you're going to look at it as a piece of you know political soci- sociological commentary, then you're you going to the wrong film you know you're not <laughs> you're not going to get anything out of this that is in any way you know representative of London as a you know as a metropolitan culturally diverse city um, however, for a bit of... Oh,
2: I've just seen it. has got Ed Sheeran in as well. That's not good. Oh, he's in it for
1: about... You know, as they do in these sort of British films, you know, they have a cameo here and there oh, from, right. like, things. Um, it's like a scene when they're at Glastonbury or something, and he's there. Um, but it's 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 perfectly harmless, you know. Um, oh, it's got
2: Sarah Solmanian in as well. I quite fancy her. I used to watch uh, Him and Her. Did you ever watch that on BBC Three?
1: Yeah, she's, she is. She's, she's very good in this, actually um again you know she's not at her at her best but it's a it's a decent yeah but it's, it's, it's a it's a she's
2: a, probably made more off this film than she ever has done before. exactly her career, so it puts her it.
1: on the map a bit you know it, it gives her some hollywood exposure and i'm 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 happy to see sort of talented people that have done the rounds as well get, get she was in that platform. with uh
2: what's his name russell
1: tovey yeah he's he's is he welsh or something like that lad
2: no i think he's from london know. isn't he
1: is he? Maybe I'm not sure, but he was in that Being Human program as well, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've just googled him. He's from Billericay. Yeah,
1: but uh, all in all, yeah, I'd uh, you know it's fine. It's an acceptable watch if you if you kind of you know if you can get into the swing of all that sort of stuff like four weddings and a funeral, Love Actually, yeah. blah 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 blah. You know you can enjoy it on a certain level. Um. So yeah, I I still really want to see Kubo on the two strings. so I, really, I read, really, um, I've read it.
2: a really good review of that the other day. I tell you what I saw to rival Bridget Jones, by the way, the other day I went and watched uh, I went and watched Bad Mums with my oh, did mum you? with my good mother. I, I, and I've heard mi-
1: I've heard mixed reviews about that. I've heard some people be yeah, you know, be like, don't go you know, go in with low expectations and you'll enjoy it. It's all right. Yeah,
2: it, it, we're all right. We went to quite a late show in and it weren't you know, it went horrific. There was sort of some base jokes and things that you'd expect but it was sort of well intentioned um i think it's, it's all right um, to have a
1: bit of that every now and again though isn't it you yeah. know not not everything's going to be Stuart Lee is it you know like you, <laughs> you know sometimes you just want to watch a bit of shit you know that you can yeah. kind of laugh at a knob joke or something like that you know
3: yeah
2: Catherine Hans in it and she's always funny she's she's one of those people who a bit like sort of Ellie Kemper who's on Kimmy Schmidt and um what's the other one Judy Greer one of those who just sort of gets shoehorned into these never the lead actress but always sort of the best friend type of roles um and she's uh she's quite good um quite funny in that um but she's playing sort of the uh the loud mouth drunkard one of them um but it's it's you know it's uh, it's not going to win any Oscars, but it's, it's not horrific. It's not, you know, offensive or, or anything like that. It, it perfectly passed the time. <laughs> and there's a, there's a few funny bits. There's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, if I was a, if I was a far more uptight male than I am and, and hadn't been sort of raised in a matriarchy and comfortable with my sexuality and all that sort of thing, then I, I could imagine it sort of makes some, more uptight men's heads burst with some of the humour because there's one scene where they're sort of getting the Mila Kunis ready to go on a night out Um, and sort of, there's a, which by the way is, faintly ridiculous because like she's trying on these obviously gaudy outfits and you're still going she went out dressed like that she's still having no problem pulling because <laughs> yeah coolness but there's obviously in the pretense of the film they're going oh no that's a mumbra and they're out they're making like crude sex jokes and stuff like that and just um just random stuff like that you know from a women's part of view, almost sort of like a wannabe sort of sex in the city type I think not in the film version but when it was perhaps more popular on television um but you know it was it, was it, all right. it's, it, it does raise an interesting argument you that, can't go and no. watch Woody Allen every time you go to a cinema no
1: no I mean I've because I've heard that though with the with the Mila Kunis thing in Bad Moms that like what I mean one of the criticisms I've heard about the film is that people feel that's kind of where it falls down a bit that you kind of you know with a film like train wreck for example uh the the part of the charm of that was that you had amy schumer who is you know she's she's a pretty woman in her own right but she's not conventionally that attractive if you like and i'm not doing any sort of like misogynistic kind of take on her or anything but you know you, you can in my opinion at least objectively look at mila kunis and look at amy schumer and say that Mila Kunis is the more, you know, Hollywood of the two, if you like. Um, but like you're saying there with, uh, with the Mila Kunis stuff, these kind of jokes, it, that it maybe falls down a bit on that because as you say, it's Mila Kunis. But then it also raises that 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 sort of question on the other side where you can kind of say, well, you know, how is it fair to... It, it's, it seems to be equally problematic, if you like, to say that someone of a certain... Yeah, who sets the bar on who's too attractive to play what type of role and in what type of film? You know, mm. I don't know. Um,
2: no, she's perfectly good in it, and I mean, I'm not saying was, you're saying that. It was, only,
1: that by it was only sort of it, that happened. one
2: scene where yeah. you have to sort of suspend your disbelief for them saying, "No, you mm. know, oh, that that looks frumpy," and it's like, no, she could go out in her pajamas, and there'd be men in a bar that would still have a second glance. Um, so there's there's that I think. That's, you know, just because she's a, a very attractive woman. Yeah.
1: I, I wasn't I've just seen I've, you there by any... No, 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 me. I understand.
2: <laughs> I was just trying to yeah, explain yeah. myself better than I may have, uh, I may have done. Um, so I always just, seem
1: to go back to this, don't I? This The, the sexism, misogyny you, thing. You,
2: you have a, a problem with women that you need to speak to someone about, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just seen uh, retweeted um, by the aforementioned uh, Wendy Coys. Chris Miller that uh, Shayon Harrison is apparently in the squad for the first team game on Wednesday so the lad that asked us a question before may well get his wish for some time
1: there you go but yeah take what Wendy says with a pinch of salt it's not good. him that said it somebody else oh YouTube. really so, okay yeah. alright well you know not to doubt Wendy but you know he is full of shit so <laughs> just joking Wendy love you
2: he's got digestive problems
1: um <laughs> Uh Hello High Water as well. I did end up seeing that, by the way, in the end and it's 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 brilliant. Is that the
2: um Western?
1: Yeah, it's very good.
2: Is that it's, is uh, it good in that sort of you went in expecting Chris Pine not being able to act and he was actually better than that? No,
1: no, I had I went in with very high expectations and it it, it, it did well. It's, uh-huh. it's it's good film. Uh, Chris
2: Pine's someone I've never been sort of particularly taken by.
1: No, same. He's just well, he's just a bit. He's a bit times new Roman, isn't he? Yeah. He's but he 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 he's he's good in this film. He he's a very good.
2: pretty man, but he's not not much else.
1: <laughs> nah, no. Nah. But uh, no, he's decent. He's
2: was uh, he having a sort of Matthew McConaughey turning form?
1: Oh, oh maybe not. Maybe not that 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 strong yet. But it could be the start of something like that. Maybe maybe it's. Uh, I was gonna say like Lincoln Lawyer, but even in that, McConaughey was spectacular in Lincoln Lawyer. You know as the, well. the
2: film that I love that I always forget Matthew McConaughey is in, and is actually a, a large part of is um is the uh, what's it called now? I'm gonna forget the one with Sandra Bullock, the other um the other legal one. It's about Samuel to o- kill. Yeah, that's the one with yeah. some that that film. Guaranteed it's one of his first make, movies, isn't it? Yeah, guaranteed to make me cry. That film. Oh, that's a
1: fantastic film. Miserable, yeah. miserable, but uh,
2: it, great I, film. I, I sympathise with. Um Samuel L. Jackson if if I was a father yeah, of, of that course. child. There's no way I'm not killing them, people.
1: No. Um again, speaking of classics as well, mate. A couple <laughs> I thought of weeks. He was ago, you were
2: gonna say speaking of killing. No.
1: Um, well it is on that topic though. Watched Silence of the Lambs again for the first time in a good few years. Fucking mm. oh, brilliant film, mate. Spectacular.
2: They've made that um they've made a, a sequel to the Blair Witch Project which I've never been able to watch because it came out when I was really young like under 10 and my auntie told me at the time that it was real and oh mate yeah when 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 we went to
1: like when I went to the pictures back then I sent saying this to Charlotte every day. when I think it came out when I was about 14 15 or so um and when we went to watch it we went because yeah, the internet wasn't as a thing then, I saw, yeah, which is kind of weird to say. Um, so not every single thinker. Well, be the the auntie that and... I'm talking
2: about is the same age that you are. There's oh, the right, same yeah. age gap between the two of us.
1: Yeah. So we we went in what to watch it thinking it was thinking it was real. So it, it was.
2: It came out in '99, so I'll have been six, and you'll yeah. have been fourteen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pretty sinister in that in that respect um, yeah
2: so I got told as a six year old that this was a real film and that they'd, they'd found this footage which I obviously know now as an adult is the pretense of it but she'd told me to wind me up when the adverts used to come on just to get the shit out I mean to this day I've not been able to watch it because <laughs> it freaks me out a little bit
1: I mean it's it's, it's also like you know it's not to say that like we just went into the cinema like oh this is real kind of but there's still that air of like is it isn't it but it, it was the fact that there was even a, a question that it might be you, you watch it under different lenses as opposed to um, like this new one that apparently is 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 an all right film, but is pretty much exactly the, the same premise as the first one, aside for the fact that these people are going in to find out what happened to the guys in the first one. They and all then, got
2: killed by a Blair Witch. By yeah,
1: yeah, and then obviously <laughs> the same, exactly. Obviously, exactly the same storyline plays out again. And you're just like, well, we've seen it all before and you don't even have the... The idea that this could—I be... I think when that first like Blair
2: Witch one came out as well, the, the sort of the found footage trope in in horror wasn't as played out as it no, has been. No,
1: I think like there was—I um, do remember though there was a there was that a film, shit film, the Emily Shamalon
2: film, by the way. That's found footage.
1: Oh, oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which just just shows
2: you how shit it is.
1: The vacation. Um, I remember just just squeeze this in quickly, so to speak. Um, sort of saying same right now. Um. There was a film called The Last Broadcast, which came out about a year or two before the Blair Witch Project, the original one. Um, and it was about a group of filmmakers searching for the Jersey Devil. Um, so if anyone is a fan of proper old, kind of rough, early days fan footage films, The Last Broadcast is a good one to watch. It's a, it's a It's a decent film. Uh, it's pretty sinister, pretty eerie as well, because it it's before, as I say, before found footage was, uh, as you, and as you were saying, Raj, like a, a highly established kind of well, genre. saturated. Yeah, that's it. When it was raw and it, it, I don't know, it just has a real kind of gloomy feel to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, last broadcast. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, but I reckon that's probably quite a good place to end it, mate. We've uh, done,
2: mate. We've ticked every box. We've done really well. Yeah. Nice proud
1: all, of us. Nice one. Maybe we should just get rid of Seb.
2: I've been thinking that for a while myself.
1: <laughs> Not really, Seb. Love you. Um, <laughs>
2: this is when he, like, texts us and says that he wants to leave, that he prefers watching Rugby Union.
1: Him and his, and his other podcast that he does now, with Joe, as well.
2: Yeah, I get really yeah, annoyed um, with this because he, like... He shares it on Facebook and that. I've never seen him once share this on Facebook. We're like his dirty secret. We are his dirty secret. He's not proud of doing this. He's like, we're ashamed. It's almost as if he's doing us a favour.
1: I think he must like, he must hate it that all his like, his proper mates are, you know, got like Musa and stuff that listens to it and things. You can imagine he's like, don't, don't, don't encourage them, Musa. Don't, don't talk about, and talk about roller roost. Just you know, share one of my other things. But anything yeah, but watch that. Watch
2: this. Listen to this other edgy podcast that I do, where I'm mm. uh, I'm sort of the centerpiece and not mm. the <laughs> ridiculed. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, I think we all we all give each other a, a bit of stick, don't we? Maybe. Yeah. Someone tweeted know. in the
2: other week and goes, "Oh, um, look at you, you and Seb turning on Raj this week." And I didn't even think you had, but you know, it all goes round.
1: Love you, Seb. i Um. joking. So, if you do want to listen to any of the previous episodes of Rule The podcast, you can do so on Acast or on iTunes. Um. We've also got our website, rtrpod.com. Oh, before if, you finish, by the way, Jack, yeah. you,
2: you were right about Pro Evo.
1: What? Which part?
2: And it was good, and that FIFA's gone backwards. It, yeah, Yeah. I, I did listen to it. We, we, we texted each yeah. other about this after I'd played the FIFA demo, and I just want to you know, publicly admit that you you were correct
1: this is i feel like there's a breakthrough here this
2: is, <coughs> swallowed this is, my uh, pride I, I would have you know it's, it's not because isn't
1: perfect uh, like as oh, we no. were saying it's not perfect FIFA's but, fucking
2: horrific now
1: i think the thing is though fifa i'm giving them like they've switched engines haven't they so we'll give them give them a couple more give them till like fifa 19 maybe and perhaps frostbite they'll have got it nailed what they need to do with it but for the time being no nah, i, I I don't even know if I'm gonna buy this one. I don't know. I had that. Thought I probably the other day will. Just because
2: um, it's so it's so slow. I mean, I played the demo same as I did with with Amazon, same as I did with Pro Evo. I give it sort of two, three hours and sat there and listened to a few records and and tried playing it and working through that initial thing. But I couldn't get over it. It was really slow. They've absolutely destroyed corners and free kicks and penalties. They've sort of <laughs> it's change for change's sake. There's Weirdly, no
1: to- I actually quite like the penalties.
2: Oh, no, I don't like it. I don't like Change Jack. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah no, I, the, I agree. The, the players corners look, are awful. I mean, it's still the most beautiful game yeah. um, there. I mean, the, 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 the polish, infrastructure and. Yeah, yeah it's, the kits, it, uh,
1: the stadiums, all hmm. that is spot on. If Pez had that, then that's the game. you would be laughing yeah, games.
2: It's sort of. Um, Prevo's just it's a little more stripped back it's not as overfull as as fifa fields now it feels like they're just trying to do a tad bit too much with what they've got available to them it's almost if they refined it a little bit more it'd be better rather than adding more features to it if they just took a little bit back it would be better i mean they just sort of they've gone from one extreme to the other with it i mean like i think the last genuinely great fifa was fifa 15 um because yeah, i think that was yeah. a, that was a good balance um, and I think yeah, it was actually.
1: To, fifteen was great. Cause 16, I got, I just got a bit bored of sixteen as well.
2: Yeah, sixteen got a little bit slow. It got a little bit predictable because they sort of they try to negate pace. Because there was that thing with fifteen, the one downside to it was if you had a really quick player, you're fucking away, and there was nobody stopping you. Um, but they've tried to get rid of that to a point where even if you have got a really quick winger, it doesn't matter. Somebody's going to catch you, and it's like there's no way this you know fat centre back should be getting anywhere near. Me, I played as Man City with like Leroy Sané and Chris Smalling was chopping me down. It's like, this isn't realistic whatsoever. There's no way he should be anywhere near me.
1: No, it's, it's like I say, it, it, it always feels like it's on a track. It feels like it's on tracks, FIFA, for me. It's like you get into certain areas of the pitch and there's two or three set scenarios that will happen within each of these. It, it, it always feels so scripted. Whereas like with Pez. I think it it can probably lead to if he actually there's a lad um, will shared a a, a video of a, a bizarre goal that happened in Pez, but it's a sort of thing that just wouldn't happen in FIFA because it, it's almost like spontaneity isn't permitted within the sort of FIFA universe. Um, yeah. I think it was Seb that actually said, wasn't it, that it's FIFA's almost presents that like like the movie goal. It yeah. presents that Hollywood image of like how football is, mm. um, and I kind of agree with that. To an extent, but anyway, as I was saying, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry about <laughs> that. Uh, no, no, it's funny. It's funny. Um, at rtrpod.com, becoming his first.